Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as always, is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bartle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, the glamour of what we do sometimes requires that I try to fix my mic stand and talk at the same time. And that's what I'm doing right now. So just enjoy, enjoy the work that, uh, that goes on behind the scenes that most of you never see. It's very exciting. Um, yeah. Um, I think at least you're doing better than me. At least you still have your computer. I am now on a different computer. Life is, life is not great. The struggle is real, guys. The struggle is so real when you work on the internet for a living and computers break. Like yeah. technology, what the hell? <laughs> um, and speaking of struggle, <laughs> she said in a very obvious segue, uh, today's topic is is something that I, I think I'm going to struggle personally a little to talk about because I don't I don't want to say negative things because I'm just so glad that Sanditon has back. But we finished the second season now and and I think it's time to talk about what worked what didn't, what, uh, you know, how it stacks up to season one, what it's clearly, I think, struggling with, with some of these plots and characters. So yeah, welcome to our season two Sanditon discussion unpacking thing. So um, the thing that struck me the most about this season of Sanditon, um, before we get into any of the plot or details is how much it felt like a mashup mm-hmm. of classic uh, of basically masterpiece classics i guess it really it? it feels very frankensteiny in pieces where it just takes like like nothing it it felt very much like like a scavenger hunt of different pieces of classic literature for me to like figure out what's happening like there's jane Eyre over here there's pride and prejudice over here there's like it's sort of pick your poison on like gothic horror over here. Like it's the turn of the screw or the Italian. And it's just, it, it, it's, it, it feels very much like it makes it very hard for me to tell you like what the identity of this show is, because it's very much just stealing identities from everywhere else. I was expecting a sort of a mashup of Austin's novels. I was expecting to see like the Pride and Prejudice line here, the characters from Sense and Sensibility repeated there. I was expecting, you know, I was expecting like, you know, some persuasion, a little bit of Northanger Abbey. Like I was expecting everything to sort of be mushed together. I wasn't expecting Bronte. (laughs) Uh, I I wasn't expecting Gothic horror. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that, I disagree with the ch- with all of the choices. There were some choices I loved. I loved Allison. That that <gasps> Allison is my favorite. Um, I thought I love that, her. I thought as a pastiche of pastiche. Uh, I think you pastiche mean. of uh, of Austin heroines. Allison's romance worked very well. I think the thing is that I expected more of, I expected all the characters to have that. Mm -hmm. And she was the only one who did, which is why I think she stuck out to me so much more than everyone else. Allison's story is really, A, for me, it was the best part of the season. And it was the only story that I really felt emotionally invested in. 
like that I really cared that she and Fraser got together by the end. Like that was very important to me that that happened. I was very glad that it happened. I thought they were adorable. The shot where she comes home and somehow everyone else in the house is managing to hide this like six <laughs> foot five man in the foyer is adorable. Like I lo- like all of that. I loved it. And maybe if that hadn't been so exactly what I want from a series like this, it would not have sort of shown how much some of the other elements of this season were what I didn't want. Yeah, I think that I think that's the thing is that because it was so on the nose of what I wanted this show to be that we only had one plot line that followed that that I was frustrated that the that they couldn't do that across the board since they very obviously could do that with Allison they were choosing not to do that with Charlotte they were choosing not to do that with Georgiana they were choosing not to do that with Esther they were just it it really that irritated me highly and I felt like I I, I think that's part of the problem I felt like in in a way the show was very unbalanced that way Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved when we got to when we got to the end and there was a wedding and it was Allison's. I was so happy. I, I know. And it's like her her like pottery barn, rustic fever dream situation. Like this is <laughs> so great. Cottage core done PBS style. Like it was. Yeah. Um, But honestly, like I think that that was sort of a problem as much as it was my favorite. I think it was also the problem that everybody else suffered in comparison. Mm. I also think it's very interesting that it's Allison who gets the really good story since she is sort of the Charlotte of this season. Since yeah. Charlotte is sort of, you know, like she she's now pessimistic, she's grieving. I have a lot of problems with Charlotte's arc this season. And well, I, I, think... I assume that's because the men treat her like an object. Oh, well, yes. But um I was I was at a set I, it took me it took me most of this season to figure this out. I don't think it I don't think it hit me until like the fifth episode, which is where they have the ball at the Parkers that I figured out exactly what it is that is bugging me so much about this. And it's not just that that the, her two suitors are are essentially just cardboard cutouts of Mr. Rochester and Wickham from Sense and Sensibility, although I really did love Colonel Lennox in the first couple of episodes until he turned out to be a D-bag. But um, I think the problem for me is, is that Charlotte's story is not about Charlotte. It's not about... Uh, she has that conversation with Allison, and I'm pretty sure it's in episode five, about about how it's okay for her to care for someone else after Sydney's gone. Oh, the one where, where Allison thinks she's talking about Fraser and Yeah, yeah. They're yeah, and okay. they're talking about two different men. But but the thing is is that is is that really clarified something for me, and that is that that is what the season should have been about. It should have been about Charlotte, first and foremost, but it should have been about how Charlotte uh, is putting the pieces of her life back together. Like, how do you deal with developing feelings for someone else after the man you thought was the love of your life is is gone? Like, what does that look like? And he's not even really yours. You can't grieve him openly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And I wanted more... It's sort of... It's like, Charlotte has almost no interiority this season, and it really bothers me because I feel like this was such a great opportunity to really explore, like, how how do you move on from that? And I don't mean in the sense of, like, she should stay stuck on St- Sydney or anything, but I would really like to see more of the struggle or even just explanation of how she suddenly realizes she's having feelings for Colburn. Like, what does that mean to her? How does that... 
Like, how does she deal with this? Does she feel guilty about it? And if so, how does she deal with that? Like, how does she, how does she balance all these like warring emotions that are about honoring her past as she tries to move forward? I have no idea because the show didn't tell me. The story was more about Lennox and Colburn in the end than it was about Charlotte. And I hate that. I'm trying to think of what the, the, the Jane Austen counterpart for this is. And I think it's a little more in the persuasion family, in the, the older sort of figuring out your stuff. And that they went Jane Eyre on her instead of finding an Austin, a, a, an Austin storyline to sort of put her in, I think was a real detriment. I, 100%. Because you know what I don't care about? Is these two men I don't know <laughs> fighting over a dead woman I never met. like i'm here to i'm here because i care about charlotte and and yes charlotte does definitely feel a little bit especially in episode especially once you find out that the whole um so uh to 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 spell out the story colburn's wife cheated on him with lennox and the daughter leonora is basically lennox is lennox's kid not his and he knows it and it doesn't and, and and so there's a level where Charlotte is almost an avatar for this dead woman that they're still fighting over. I just this is not what I wanted for her. No, because I, I just like it's not like I said a second ago. It's nothing. Nothing in this story is about her. It's how she is a vehicle for these two men to work out their issues and and fight over another woman the same way they fight over this dead woman we never even see. Like, yeah. it's just really frustrating because I love Charlotte and I was really looking forward to seeing about how the show handled, you know, her growth, her growth, her pain, her introspection. And I got zero of that, especially because in a way, this is something that Jane Austen doesn't do. Jane Austen is about the Allisons. Persuasion is the only one where 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 it's not really quite. And even so, Persuasion still has her going back to her first love at the end. And I guess there's a level where I wanted that as as someone who's in their 40s, I wanted to see that kind of story told through an Austin. Uh, I, I, I don't quite know what like a, like an basically in an Austin way. And they didn't do that. Instead, they borrowed from other authors that don't fit what I came to watch. I mean, I know you hate Jane Eyre. Um, you're 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 much I do more, hate Jane Eyre. You're 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 much more of a Wuthering Heights person. Um, but I uh, I I like Jane Eyre. I grew up on it. It's one. Of, it even though I know even though I understand as an adult how absolutely problematic it is. Um, I find that this is not what I came for. Even though I like Jane Eyre and I liked the idea that that Colburn was Rochester when it was first introduced to me. I thought that, oh, put a Rochester in a Jane in, in a Jane Austen story. Fun. No, that's not what they did. They literally just took some Bronte and smashed it in like they took some like purple Play-Doh and stuck it to some yellow Play-Doh. I I just that is I think and the thing is is that I don't I don't mean to like as a whole I thought the season was fine. I it's not great. 
it's it's very like it's there it's very bland in a lot of ways uh i think there's a level where they don't want to offend and i get that but it's also just very it's very strange going from the first season which had the snake floor sex (laughs) to suddenly like uh, not having a pov or or uh, uh not having a perspective at all um, can we just talk? Can, can we just talk about Esther's great line about the sec, the, the 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 um the snake floor stack? <laughs> oh, about the baby like can't be bored on the stairs because it was conceived on the floor. Um, Esther got all the best lines this season, which is good because she did not get the best storyline. No, and that actually really frustrated me. Mm, yes, one hundred percent. I came into this expecting. To see something really different with Esther. Now, well, Esther- especially because they set it up in the first couple of episodes that it's really going to dig into a topic we don't see a lot, which is women in the Regency era who can't have children. Yeah. And and that never happens. Like, nope. we never see that. And we never like that's literally for Esther. That's like the one thing she's she's told she's good for the one the she has literally one job and it is to produce an heir for her titled husband and she can't do it and it's clearly like the first couple of episodes are really about how how just heartbreaking and and crushing that is for her and her sense of self-worth and she desperately wants a child herself and i was like yes we're really gonna like tell this story and instead it just turned Clara out shows be, up she, with with the convenient baby bump she doesn't want yeah, well, not even that. Like, that's fine. I just figured that it would. I figured that it would turn out that that Esther just adopts the baby. I was like, look, there's Esther's baby, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. But uh, the show shifted gears very violently from being about like again Esther's interiority and how she feels about this this thing that she's going through to we're gaslighting her and trying to make her mad in a literal ripoff of like The Italian. Um. So <laughs> it's just. It's just it's very frustrating because I thought I thought again, I thought that we were going to get something that was more more nuanced and had more depth to it. And instead, it's literally just like Edward giving her laudanum instead of her like magic baby tincture. Can we, can we talk about like the whole Edward Clara? Let's make them extra evil thing. Like uh... one of the things about season one that I liked was that Clara had nuance. Like she actually was this. She was an abused and I mean, on some woman. Le- that- on some level, Edward did too. Like, yeah, he was mm-hmm. a dirtbag, but I truly believed that he cared about Esther in yes. his own like very messed up way. And now he's like, "Guess I'm gonna make her crazy and put her in an asylum because she rejected me." Right? <laughs> like, like the whole the whole villain, the whole taking them and turning them into flat two dimensional villains was really threw me because yeah. you know when Clara showed up, um, I I don't know what I was expecting. But it wasn't that. I don't know why. I initially thought that she was just going to give the baby to Esther. Yeah, kind of. That was going to be the storyline. It was like she was like I like she was just going to hide out in their like garden shed or whatever, and then just give the baby to Esther, and like everyone pr- would pretend it was like Lord Babington's. Yeah, I kind of thought that that was where it was going to go, especially right when when Esther delivers the baby. Like I was like, okay, and now Claire's going to turn and say, "I don't want it here," and then she didn't. <laughs> I know because they also for a second made it feel like they were really going to be like, well, Clara doesn't want children. Yeah. And that or, and or she's not like a, you know, a natural mother. I'm making air whatever quotes. that means, whatever that means for the. But in the time period, that was a very like thing that people would say to women. 
and I was like, oh, this is how we're gonna we're gonna square this circle. Is is Clara's gonna provide Esther's baby, the heir, blah blah blah, and she's gonna be like, I'm not a natural mother, take the child, and they never really. If they had done that, it would have put Clara and Esther kind of together on a team. Instead of making them enemies the way that the show seemed to feel like we needed to have them be. Like, one of the things that always frustrates me is this need to make women fight each other. That, 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 that there's, that there, if they're, if, if, if women like aren't have, fighting, they have to, they have to be in competition with right, each other. Right, exactly. And for, for Clara to say, I don't, I, I can't do this, take this. And and you you are the person who 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 can do this here. Take it, and the two of them basically like sort of like become a team in a way, and sort of both raise the baby together. Would have been a much more interesting story, and it would have fit Clara the the, the original Clara that was introduced to us, who is hurt and broken and abused, but desperately wants something better. Mm-hmm. Right, like that would have fit it better, and given her a redemption arc. Because I, 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 I feel like they didn't, they didn't do enough to get me from Clara hates Edward to mm. Clara. Clara hates Edward and is fully cognizant of how awful he is, and and how he treats her, and how he treats his sister, and and how selfish and just generally dirtbaggy he is. Like why she suddenly like. Like, uh, to your point a second ago, like, there is even an interesting story there of, like, why do people, like, knowingly go back to, like, repeat cycles of abuse? Right. But instead, it's just like, well, I guess she wants the money. I don't I don't really know what her motivation to going back to him is because the show doesn't even... I mean, I guess it's like, I'm pregnant and I have to have a husband because I'm pregnant or whatever. But, like, it's just, I don't know. The, the answer is they're the antagonist they have to. And that's just, uh, that doesn't work for me. That's never worked for me in a lot of ways. And I find that frustrating. Especially because they, they just switch, they flip, uh, they, they flip the switches on Clara so quickly. Like they she do. goes from, she goes from like, I guess I'll get with Edward and help him with his like plot to drive Esther crazy and have her put away for the rest of her life to suddenly being like, oh no, I'm not fine with this anymore. I'm going to tell her and everyone else the truth. Like other than, other than, what she's helping to perpetrate is just like objectively awful. I'm not sure why she suddenly changed her mind. Yeah. Um, speaking of dirt bags, ha! let's talk about Lockhart. <laughs> um, I just need to say straight up that I love Alexander Vlahos, who plays Charles Lockout. He's been in so many great things. He's Versailles is so much fun. He is so great in Versailles. I love him. Oh, Versailles is such a great great show and i say all of this to preface my next statement which is that he is woefully miscast in this role like <laughs> horribly miscast i i don't know i they, they're trying to go for byron like i get what they're trying to go for and they're trying to make byron as a money grubbing byron like a like a like a fortune hunting byron instead of just like a sexual deviant yeah like not <laughs> Like, like, like that. It's not just that he's a sexual deviant, but he is also desperate to keep up his lifestyle. And and I don't hate that as a concept. Like on paper, that sounds good, but how how it ended up on the screen just it didn't it it didn't read a lot of times. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out if he I was, was like, wait, what? Yeah, like I 
I and I think that might be because I sort of assumed for a good long time until until the show. I, I kept telling myself this isn't really a bunny grabbing thing. He he he's clearly in 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 infatuation with her at least. I right? mean, I I will tell you straight up that I just thought it was like a weird sort of exoticism thing. Yeah, no, I straight up thought that that too. Like I'm, that's I was like, I could- oh well, he he clearly. Uh, I don't know how to say this in a way that isn't kind of crass. Like she's the sort of woman he's never had the chance to be with before. Kind of. No, thing. it's it's a, it's kind. Of, it if if the show had had the had the nerve to actually talk about how white guys can fetishize colored women, that would have been something. I mean, especially since they did have the nerve to basically have. Okay, so the big, the big, the big secret that we find out that the reason Sydney was was overseas is because uh, the white part of Georgiana's family is basically trying to get her call, trying to get her uh, illegitimized by saying because her mom was a slave, she she's not she she can't be the heiress, and that read really true to me. That was actually to me like. I know I talked about the Gilded Age and how frustrated I was with it, but there were points where the Gilded Age really managed to land racism properly. And I felt like that was Sanditon's moment where they, where they, where they hit it correctly. And then, but that was the only point where they hit it correctly in a way. And because they had the nerve to go there, but they, then they, they, they didn't want to actually like face what a Byron-esque character would in reality see like or like or find interesting right like i more uncomfortable right and you know yes it's uncomfortable and you know it could go from just i'm not going to say that it couldn't go from that to actually discovering she's a real person and him falling in love with her that could be a romance that's like educational to white people like i could I could see that. I could get behind that in some sort of weird way. But I know, like, everything about this was that the show didn't have the balls to go there. And so instead what they did is they just decided, well, we can't actually make this realistic, so let's just make it so he wants our money. <laughs> yeah. And he's somehow, and I've already forgotten this because this is how little invested I was in this. Like, he's somehow actually connected to the other side of her family. Yes. Yes, he actually knows. And, and that's the thing is that it, it, he's, all, he's all, so, and that gives her a secondary reason to throw him over other than he's just a gross fortune hunter. When is she going to marry Arthur? Um, you mean confirmed bachelor Arthur Parker? Yes. Um, <laughs> I do. Never because he is a confirmed bachelor. Damn um, it. <laughs> Listen, they could be a really great couple. Well, and you know what? Women have made bargains with confirmed bachelors since the beginning of time. For generations. Again, another thing that this show, I mean, you joke that he is confirmed bachelor, but that's because they're not actually having the nerve to touch on his sexuality. Right? Like, ha- actually have him admit that, that he's gay. Have... You know, an actual if if you don't have the the nerve to do an L, LGBTQ plus storyline with him, at least talk about the fact of how lonely he must be. Mm, yeah, right. Like there is so much there that they could be digging into that they just uh, he's confirmed bachelor Arthur, right? Like it just more it, it just it, because I know, there's the even a scene where he's like, I'm definitely not getting married. It's crazy, wink, right? Wink. Like they just turned it into a joke, and I don't. He, the show deserves better than that. 
I mean, honestly, I think Georgiana deserves a lot better than this entire season because I feel like coming into this, we heard a lot of things sort of in the press and and promotional materials about how this was going to be like Georgiana's season and she was going to, you know, really step forward as a character with her own story. And honestly, she got the same story she had in the first season, which is she wanted to marry a man who turned out to be a dirtbag. And like this man is a fancier dirtbag. But it's the same story. And I know there I know that there, there will be people who are like, well, she found out her mother's alive. And I'm like, well, that is important. Yes. But maybe we could have done that instead of her performative sugar boycott, which the show threw in there to be right. like, look how progressive we are. But it's literally like one scene and they don't. And she gives one speech about the evils of slavery. And that is all. Right. And especially because, as I said, like there were moments where they got where 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 this show really did hit the racism, hit hit it correctly, hit really, really got really got it. And then they have the sugar boycott, which is like, as you say, performative and frustrating. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anybody who thinks that any of those people who put their cake back at that party went home back to their regular lives and did anything else. (laughs) They didn't. And that would that in and of itself again would be a good story. Yeah. But instead they're content to just let them put their cake back this one time. And I guess we've solved we've solved slavery racism. in Europe now. I don't is this yeah. really it's so disappointing because I want to like Georgiana so desperately. And they make it very hard for me. <laughs> I also just because Sanditon advertised itself as dealing with race. And because there is this movement in period pieces to confront racial relations as they really were in that time period, you know, I I want them to be real. I want them to hit the note every time. And I understand that there's a level where maybe they're just too scared. Maybe we're not there yet. Maybe maybe this is the baby step and we're not and 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 we can't take the big stride. But you know. Because because there's also the Gilded Age, because there's also Bridgerton, which turns it into well, a total fantasy. Because yeah. there's, I mean, these- I don't, I don't know that Bridgerton is the yardstick we should no. be using, considering they introduced an entire South Asian family and proceeded to not even confirm whether or not the Raj exists in this universe. Right, but that's a rant for another day. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the thing is that bugs me is that they're trying, but they've become so fixated on the trying that that's all Georgiana gets to be. Like, because she's the only character of color, she has to be all things mm-hmm. to all aspects of the storyline. and Which may be th- very true for the Black experience in the world, but also sucks. I mean, it sucks in terms of the show's story because, because they, they're so focused on all this other stuff with Georgiana. I don't really feel like she got an arc this year. Like, I don't... I. No, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they're I feel like in the in their rush to be like, look, we can do diversity and period drama. They have literally forgotten to give her a story or give her an interior like an, an interior anything like I, I feel like we've just watched her hate the Parkers and then watch her sort of like the Parkers because Sydney found out that this man was trying to steal her money. Like, it's just it, there's no real interior through line for her that works for me. And I hate that. Yeah. Um. Speaking of the ball, um, the episode five ball, because I feel like that was really sort of the big turning point of this season. 
Um, it's where everything sort of happens, right? Like it's the big dramatic Parker ball. Um, I want to know, um, do you feel like it came off as balanced? Because one of the things that I was really... like, please define, please define the terms of your question. Okay. Um, a be- uh, let me try to see if I can come up with a better way of putting this. I think because it's sort of the Allison Frazier show in a lot of ways that everything else sort of became secondary. And because this was the moment where Colburn and Lennox is are supposed to sort of like we're supposed to have the big breaking moment where like she sees Lennox for who he is and he gets violent. I was very frustrated over how the show almost didn't want to go there, I guess. I don't know if I'm putting this properly. It, I, I, I found the ball very frustrating in general. And I, that was the one that really got me because one of the things I loved about season one was all of the balls. All of the balls worked perfectly. And this one felt really weird. Um, and I don't know if it was just because they were trying to do too much in one moment. I wish this show had eight episodes. I, I, you know, I do too. And I rarely say that because I'm almost always of the opinion that like shows should be shorter, but I feel like there's a lot of tonal whiplash with some of the characters from Allison's, even Allison in a sense, like her sudden discovery of her feelings for Frasier feels like it could have taken another episode to really like be great. Um, but mostly I think that's what I, I think that's what I'm trying to say is I wish that the Parker ball had been two balls. One of which was Charlotte's and the other of which was Mm. Allison's. And that trying to have them and Esther all at once and Georgiana just felt fractured. I think um, I think for me, a big part of the problem this season is the Charlotte and Colburn and Lennox situation, Uh, because to the like, like we suddenly go very quickly from Lennox being like a seemingly like. He's a nice guy who maybe is a little boring to like, I am suddenly like a domestic abuser. Right. And that felt like that came out of nowhere. Like just because the man gambles doesn't mean he like manhandles women. But I think that's a really like, I struggle with the Colburn Charlotte relationship very much because I don't. I did love when Augusta yelled at him. I know. I really did come to like Augusta over the course of the season, even though she was so performatively nasty to Charlotte. But I do get like why she is, you know, why she is traumatized. Um, But I really struggle. I really struggle with the Charlotte and, and Colburn stuff because I don't know that I ever super bought into their connection mm-hmm. because... And I don't and I can't quite put my finger on why. I don't know if it's because he's so aggressively closed off with her for so much of the season. Like, ooh, she's a farm girl who can handle his horse. Like that's that's literally something that's an important plot point, apparently. But I I don't know. Like, I really like I want like I I want happiness for Charlotte like so badly. And I'm like, don't marry that man, girl, because I don't like (laughs) random Ralph. (laughs) Oh, random Ralph. But anyway, before we get to Random Ralph and and, and this wedding that's clearly never going to happen, like, t- I would love to know, like, your take on Charlotte and Colburn because I, I just, like, I could see the show telegraphing to me from 
early on that they were like the end game pair of the triangle right. but i just never fi- even with all of that like hitting me over the head with it like their relationship does not feel super earned or or even interesting really to me and i hate that because i love charlotte and she deserves like the best man on the show and i just don't think he's the best man on the show i'm not even sure that i think he's a good man um i'm not sure who the best man on this show is <laughs> other than maybe Frazier right now possibly confirm bachelor arthur parker <laughs> <Not sure. laughs> i mean but like, honestly, I, don't, like, like I don't like honestly like i just want her to kelly taylor this i want her to choose herself for 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 uh i mean for all we know random ralph is the best man on this show. I, he could be he's <laughs> he's cute i thought he was colin morgan for a second and i had to google it he's not colin morgan i actually i thought he was one of the bridgerton brothers <laughs> i was like wait is that a bridgerton <laughs> I had to look it up and no, he's not that either. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe Random Ralph is secretly the answer and the <laughs> and the solution to this quandary is you can go home again. But like, I just don't, I don't, I I just in the question, but the I was I was sort of Team Lennox in the beginning because he yes, seemed like a very boring nice guy that he initially seemed like a very boring nice guy that like maybe that's what Charlotte needs right now. It's like no drama. He just likes her and secret domestic abuser. Never mind, <laughs> but. Like I, I, in that triangle, I ended up just being like, I wanted her to choose herself and be like, no, thank you to both of you and all of your messed upness. Yeah, I mean, okay, I get that Colburn is supposed to be grieving the same way she's grieving, and that that's supposed to be their connection. But I never felt like he, he was so. I always felt like he was so wrapped up in his own grief. Yeah, I never got the sense he cared about her grieving, right? Or even really knew it, right? Like, it was very strange. And I, I, especially because, you know, as I as I said earlier, like, I wanted an Austin-esque, older, older love relationship, I guess, is what I wanted. And I didn't get that. And the thing is, is that all of the, all of the, 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 the groundwork here of these two grieving people looking for each other and finding each other is very Austin-esque and could make a very... Like, you describing it like that sounds very romantic. Right? That is 100% not what I saw happen. No, it's not what happened. But it's why I was... Te- you you were Team Lennox. When we first talked uh, about Santa Tim when it premiered, you were Team Lennox. And I was like, no, I'm Team Colburn. And it was because I looked at that and I was like, two grieving people coming together. I could see this and I can see this in an Austin way. And I can see this fitting in with the other six books by... By by doing that, I could see it, and then it didn't do that, and then it was just it was just I, I, this self centered jerk face. <laughs> I know. I I think that's actually now that I've said that out loud, I think that's actually something that really bothers me is how uninterested he is in her grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the thing that should bring them together. It's the thing they share. It's the thing they understand about each other. Right. Like to me, that was it was so obvious. And then the show like went all like, what is it? Stupid dead wife name with an L. Uh, Lucy. Uh, Lucy. Thank you. Um, Like I just it was all dead wife Lucy. And 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 then and then at the end, we suddenly get random Ralph. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on at all. I might be I might be team random Ralph. <laughs> I, I, I think I might be. Like, he, he, he thus far has not done anything that makes me hate him. So 
I mean, obviously she's going to marry Colburn at the end of season three. We're going to have another wedding and it's going to be that. And we'll have had three weddings. We'll have had Esther's wedding at the end of season one, Allison's wedding at the end of season two, and, you know, Charlotte's wedding at the end of season three. Maybe a double wedding with Georgiana because, I don't know, some person just comes out of nowhere and she marries him. Otis will just return from wherever. I was so mad when she talked about Otis. Maybe Georgiana will end up marrying Random Ralph. I don't know. I, I, at this point, I, at this point, I'm like, well, Ralph doesn't seem so bad. Nope. Why do you think? Um, and I, and I think I, I on I hate judging so much of this season by knowing the things that have happened behind the scenes or are happening behind the scenes, because I feel like random the insertion of random Ralph serves no narrative purpose except just to make a cliffhanger to the season three they know they already have and 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 set up another love triangle basically one where she's engaged. I don't. What was the point of Random Ralph? Like, I just, I no. I, that's the point I, of Random Ralph is we're setting up another love triangle where she's in love with somebody who she's not engaged to. He's in love with her, and and Colburn's in love with her. I don't. I I just really feel. I don't know that I feel like they're even going to give Ra- Random Ralph like, like. No, he'll probably it, just want to marry her because it because she's his and he owns her or something. No, it'll probably just be like their farms or neighbors or whatever. But like, I don't like. I don't know that I feel like Random Ralph will have like a lot of of screen time as as anything other than like a figure of her not being able to be with Colburn. I but suppose. But I yeah, I I don't, I, I, I don't I, want her. To, I just like Colburn doesn't uh, Colburn doesn't do it for me. Um so one of the things we were told before this season started is how much more Jane Austen it was going to be. Do you agree with that because at the end of six episodes the only part that felt Austin-esque to me was Allison and everything else did not. And I do not agree with, I do not agree that this show is more Austin than Andrew Davies season one. I think, I think if you take it in the strictest definition of it's more Austin in the sense that we have borrowed specific character archetypes from literally every other Austin piece, then that's true. I don't think the story it's telling is particularly Austinian. I mean, we also end once again, we end with sad Charlotte. I'm so tired. Like, I just can't. I'm so tired of the season ending with, like, Charlotte in tears and misery. Like, that's not Austin. No. That's... And I don't... Like I said, I thought this season was fine. Uh, I thought it was a little bit bland. I also thought it was distinctly unjoyous. And the thing that I associate the most with Austin stories is sort of just, like, an effervescent joy. And this does not have that. No, this does not have that. Um, I also, um, so, you know, one of the things we've been doing, we've been doing these classic revisited and I've been sort of watching older Austin stuff as part of it. And I rewatched 1995 Pride and Prejudice. Ah, uh, the master. Because, because, you know, you have to every so often. Um, and it struck me, why is Sanditon three seasons? <laughs> Why was Sanditon not one season from the get-go and understood? It, there is there is no reason for an Austin story to be longer than that. The the original Pride and Prejudice miniseries is the right length for an Austin adaptation. Unless unless you sort of turn it into like a like a kind of anthology thing. Like I where... could get behind an anthology because I mean the show's the show's not called Charlotte; it's called Sanditon. So theoretically, right? they could do different kinds of romances for several seasons, and it's just like 
like Bridgerton. Like, that's the engine of the show, right? Not Charlotte, because it's like Bridgerton <laughs> that way. It wasn't called. It wasn't called. Uh, it wasn't called Sydney Chambers, so they could change out the. They could change out the priest. I just had a braidwave. And it's because I fe- I think part of the reason that this 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 show feels kind of just like plotting and joyless is because a lot of the times it feels like it hates its heroine. Like it feels like it hates Charlotte. And I don't know why. Yeah. That is kind of true. It really the show really sided with Allison in season 2. It really sh- Allison was its hero. And that really sort of threw me because I, I knew that they'd introduced her as sort of the, the 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 innocent one to Charlotte's more jaded. But I didn't realize that they wouldn't know what to do with jaded and they only knew what to do with innocent. Yeah. I mean, there's a line where they're in the carriage, like going to look for Fraser, And Allison literally says that they really like to lampshade a lot of their tropes this year. Allison oh, literally Lord. says a line that's like, is my cynical sister finally understanding about love? And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I I I feel like there's a level where they didn't know how to tell an Austin story. It's not that they hated Charlotte. It's that they didn't know how to tell an Austin story about someone who wasn't innocent. And that's not true. Persuasion exists. <laughs> and, and it's so funny because like if we're if we're looking at it from this sort of perspective, the person they should have modeled Charlotte after is Eleanor Dashwood. <gasps> Good point. Like that, if they if they were going to steal characters from all the rest of Austin Cannon to sort of like piecemeal them together into this show, they should have stolen Eleanor Dashwood. Yeah, and it's it it in they, they couldn't see her as Eleanor though, and that really bothers me because that also makes me wonder what they're going to do with her in season three, since they clearly don't know what to do with her, and it's not like you know it, it's one thing where you sort of can see that there was a different showrunner in season one and season two. You can see it that season one was Andrew Davies. You can see that season two is this new guy. Season three is going to be this new guy again. Like we're not we're not switching again. Like we're not changing horses here. So what? How how is this? How is how how is it going to get fixed? Because I don't think so. And the thing that's the thing that's so weird to me is that Charlotte is the emotional through line from the first season to the right. second season to the third season. But they seem so interested in her. It's so disinterested in like, I, I keep coming back to like, to her emotional interiority. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. And I love Charlotte and I just want her to be happy. I mean, I assume that we are going to, at the end of Sanderson season three, see her get married and see her be happy. And I assume it will be to Colburn. And I assume that Augusta will Team be... Team Random Ralph. Right. <laughs> he's, he's, as far as I can tell at this moment, he's not a domestic abuser. So, woo. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like that is what I expect. And I expect, uh, I, I do expect a happy ending for her because we have to eventually get there. But I, I just... I was told that this was going to be more Austin-esque, and it, I honestly think Davies did a better job with that, and that's with the inclusion of 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 um, questionable sexual acts, sort of half shown on screen. <laughs> um, you know, as much as we like to dump on Andrew Davies for like various uh, mistakes he's made in various properties, and mm-hmm. I do fully blame him for the fact that we all thought that Sanditon was going to end with an unhappy ending because he bet on a season he didn't have in hand. Um, 
The man understands why Austin is good. The man has literally like adapted every single every single Austin story. We dump on him for his flaws, but like he gets it. Yeah. And I don't feel like this got it. And I feel like that that's the real problem. And I'm frustrated because I because I want to love this so much more than I did. I know. That's exactly where I am right now is that I'm like, well, it was fine. It wasn't offensive to my eyeballs. Let's hope season three fixes things. Oh, uh, well, wait. No, I'm wrong. Season three can't fix things because season three has already been filmed. I mean, like, that's really where I am with it is that I'm like, I wanted to love this. And I am very firmly in the like, well, that was fine. Camp. And that really upsets me because even even at the end of season one, like I was furious. I I was so angry. I wrote a lot about how angry I was and and whatnot. But like that is at least an emotional connection that at least shows an emotional connection to the material that other than Allison, who I just want hearts flowers and like birds helping her do her laundry forever because i love her she better not be sent off somewhere to like live out her life for season three. Oh, that's a good question to end on but let me just say like let me finish my first thought which is un- other than like allison whose joy i truly like just revel in i don't i don't know that i have a super like strong emotional response to this in either direction and i think that is you know the opposite the opposite of love isn't hate Mm. it's indifference yes and i am very much more there than like the because because at least like really furious anger is still uh reflective of a very strong emotional response to the material Mm -hmm. and i am not like i'm just like well that's a thing that i watched and i hate that let us end on this thought slash question because i would like i would i feel like the end of season two definitely sort of ushers out some characters or at least sets up sets up a situation where these characters can be removed from the canvas and and we don't have to wonder if they're dead like who do you think is necessary for season three for the story to continue who do you think is like i i hate it but i think charlotte spencer is probably done um i yes i agree that that there's a level where charlotte spencer's character is done um, I would very much like Edward and Clara to be done. Um, I well, would... I think Clara is also done because she's gone off to. I don't really know what Clara's gone off to do. Like she should be a fallen, off. be a fallen woman by the dunes or something. <laughs> but like, I just don't. I really don't care about Lady Denham's plot to like reform her wayward nephew or whatever. Like, keep it. Y- yeah, I, I would, I would like, I would like to, uh, I would like to find a reason to keep Esther around with her baby. Um, though I don't see one at the, at the moment, I would like a very, I would very much like Edward and Clara to be done. I would very much like Lennox to be done. Um, and I would very much like, uh, Lockhart to be done. I think that all of those characters need to go. We're done with them. I know we're not done with Colburn, even though that frustrates me. Um, I know we're not done with the Parkers because they're always going to be there. Um, I know we're not done with Georgiana. Um, I don't want to be done with Allison and Fraser. I want Allison yeah, and Fraser to, 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 I, I don't know. I don't know. Open a shop in Sanditon. What, what, what do, what do ex-soldiers do? 
Um, how does he make money? I hope he has savings. I don't know. He said something <laughs> about that he money? can become a far- no. I, he said something about I guess I can become a farmer. And Allison was like, I always, I never meant to marry to be a farmer's wife, which is like such a cheesy line, but so perfect. Yeah. Um. But I don't want the, I don't want them to be sent off to a farm and never seen again. I definitely need them to be part of the season next year, even if what they do is something like. Okay, so you know how Bridgerton basically ends with the season and then it comes back and it's the beginning of the next year London season? I almost need Sanditon to do that. To send everybody home and then have everybody come back for the for for the for the summer season in Sanditon. That's what I need. Because that way we can send them back to the farm and then find an excuse to bring them back. Okay. Yeah, I mean I really like I just got the feel and and maybe and honestly, maybe if if we have jettisoned some characters that is for the best because I think there was too much, a little too much going on in some places, which may Especially have with only six episodes. Yeah. So maybe just fewer characters would make for a deeper story. I'm not sure. But, um, I just, I don't know. I feel, I love Charlotte Spencer, but like, go fly, be free, make other things. Um, um I, 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 you know what? Now that you've said it, I can't get over it. I wish Sanditon had been an anthology series, and I'm—I uh-huh. I'm, don't think—I don't think I'm ever going to get over you saying that. Like, it's not even like an—it's not like a traditional anthology. It's not like it's American Horror Story, but it's just that the center—that the center engine of it is the town, not Charlotte, and and it's different love stories every year. Yeah, yeah. I could—I could have really gotten behind that. That's too bad. Damn. I know. Someone hire me to like work for your TV network. I promise I'm really smart. <laughs> um, I watch a lot of TV and I know <laughs> I know I know TV. Um yeah, I don't know. I just I'm afraid that they're gonna suddenly feel like they need to introduce like more uh, like a love interest for Georgiana from somewhere. And oh no, so there's like... gonna be another one. She's just gonna get a new one every season. I'm sorry. I know. Just like take your money and go travel the continent or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. What is your, what is your, actually, I lied. We'll end on this one. What's your one biggest hope for season three? Um, the Charlotte has a happy damn ending. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, that is really and truly like, uh, that's two seasons in a row where Charlotte struck out. Can we stop? I know. <laughs> I'm so tired of watching her cry. Yeah. It's I just, just really like, that's not Austin, by the way. Yeah, I just that that and 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 I think that's why like when you when you said the thing about the anthology it hit me that that's I need a happy ending every season for the for the, for the for the person who's supposed to be in the in the lead. I need that. That's what Bridgerton provides that Sanditon is missing. I agree with that. Yeah, I think my one my one big hope is that I just want I want good things for Charlotte. I want Charlotte's story to be about Charlotte and not about some man. Yeah, I, 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 I glommed onto Esther in season one because she was the one who got the happy ending. I glommed onto Allison this season because she was the one who was clearly getting the happy ending. And I'm supposed to be glomming onto Charlotte. What are you doing? <laughs> I know. I, I love Charlotte. I just want her to be happy. And I want the story to be... The story that they ostensibly sold me is that Sanditon is about Charlotte Haywood. And I don't... It's like... Give me more of her. Because I feel like her story got very much subsumed into a band this season. And that bugs me. So, there. Anyway, uh, 
at least this time, we know that Sanditon will be back for another season. It is, as Annie mentioned, I think already fully in the can. And I suspect... And, uh, and I su- uh, Masterpiece has already confirmed that it will be coming in 2023. It didn't say when. I'm going to just assume that it's going to be spring 2023. But they didn't actually say that. All they said was 2023. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm assuming as well. Because All Creatures seems pretty firmly ensconced in that January slot. So probably yeah. after All Creatures is my best guess. Um... Yeah. Whew. Sometimes getting what you ask for is uh, is harder than you might like. So fingers crossed for season three to stick the landing for our girl, finally. Um, or at anyway. least stick the landing better than killing Eve. Good God. Well, yeah. We talked about that already. <laughs> anyway, before we get distracted on yet another tangent, Annie, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Um, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cat at Instagram. Or sorry, at Annie Bundle at Instagram. Uh, you let's see. I'm a staff writer at Elite Daily. I'm the associate editor here at Televisions and a freelancer on the web. Um, so if you want to know what I wrote this week, just go and like I don't know, check out my Twitter and like follow me because that's basically where I retweet all my bylines. At least until you know Elon Musk buys it and it goes away. Womp. I can't even comment on that. Um, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. <laughs> that is L-A-Z-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at television and around the entertainment web, but I too always treat my bylines. So come and be my friend and check them out. My cats are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer if you need a cuteness update. And that is that is me. If you just want the British stuff, the site and the pod are on social media including television's blog, all one word on Facebook, telly underscore visions on Twitter. And our podcast can be listened to at WETA's YouTube channel, which is WETA PBS. We are a product of WETA surprise. And you can find us at televisions.org where we have news recaps, us ranting about general things and all kinds of fun. If you click on the donate button up top, you will help us keep making all this great content and support public media at the same time. This will also um, excuse me. This will also get you access to PBS Passport, which has all manner of shows of interest to Anglophiles, including early access to a bunch of stuff that's coming later this year, including Nicola Walker's new show Annika, the second season of Cobra, and a lot of foreign language things that I don't watch, but I know some of you do. Ridley Road will have all four episodes drop on Passport um, at once. Ooh, huzzah! See, that's why she makes streaming posts. Um, That is our show for this week. It is springtime. Uh, Go outside. We live in the D.C. area, so this is the, like, two to three week window before we become an unbearably humid hellscape. I do love the one month of spring that we get, just like I love the one month of fall we get. I know. It's nice. Yeah. Um, Before we have to prepare for humidity. I mean, I know that we've already turned our air conditioner on at least once here. Um because I don't know Humidity somebody is thought a thing. that somebody really thought that building the nation's capital in like a stinking swamp was a great idea anyway uh be nice to each other make sure you're following the covid rates in your area get a fourth booster if you are eligible and consider masking indoors for big events I still do it we will be back next week with more exciting blather but uh until then thanks for listening <laughs>